once again into the soccer OG. Hey, that's me, Max Barretos. This is episode 136. As always, a reminder to rate, review, download, subscribe, and tell a friend. We are comprehensive this time of the year. A whole lot going on. We'll do our best to cover it all. But sometimes stories come up that you don't expect to cover. And we have one of those today. We are going to discuss Welcome to Wrexham versus MLS. How did this get started? What is going on? Battle lines have been drawn. It's very, very interesting and very, very petty. But we'll get to that here shortly. Coming up in the business end, my good friend Hercules Gomez will talk a little bit about that debate. We'll also talk about what's going on with the U.S. men's national team as well as the American players off on the transfer market. Some really interesting developments here as the European transfer market closes, the Major League Soccer transfer market opens. In stoppage time, we will look at what lies ahead for the U.S. coming off the completion of their two January camp games and looking ahead at the Copa America. We also have the CONCACAF Champions League. We're all pulling for the Seattle Sounders, right? 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 It's going to be a good show. You're in the right place. The Soccer OG starts right now. We are back here. And it feels like uh, the weekend of soccer got sabotaged. And that's too strong of a word by the uh, welcome to Wrexham versus MLS chatter. People remember I had an old video. And by the way, check out my videos on YouTube the Soccer OG, under my name, Max Bretos. And I talked about the relationship between ESPN and MLS. It wasn't a great one. MLS didn't get the box office attraction treatment this past weekend. The Wrexham FA Cup game um, versus Sheffield United did. It was on all morning on the Sports Center shows, and there was a lot of promotion. Stuff that MLS doesn't get. That's the way it goes, and that's why I think it's good that MLS now has this partnership with Apple TV. I did want to make a correction and appreciate Christopher Harris at World Soccer Talk. World Soccer Talk, really the only destination to really go for soccer media in this country. And uh, they've been great. Uh, uh, those guys, uh, Kartik and Christopher, have been great allies of mine through the years. So I very much appreciate what they do. I said on my YouTube video, which is up there, check it out, that the Sheffield United game with uh, Wrexham drew 89,000 viewers, but that was for an earlier FA Cup round against Blythe. I can't remember the name of the team. So needless to say, I would imagine the Sheffield United game will probably get close to doubling that number. So that is uh, that is great news for ESPN Plus and their streaming service. You gravitate towards that. We know MLS TV numbers haven't been great. It's going to get better, I truly believe. But just because the Wrexham storylines are going on doesn't mean the MLS ones uh, cannot. We've got to do a better job of unearthing those and doing, uh, uh, empowering people to tell these stories. There's so many out there. I was talking to uh, one of the guys who tuned into my YouTube. I mentioned how I would love to know more about soccer in the South, Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, Tennessee, Kentucky. There's a lot of great players coming out of there, but where do they go? And they're finding their ways on MLS academies. Hence, uh, Tanner Tessman, Chris Richards, both from Alabama, went to the FC Dallas Academy. So it's a weird journey that they have to take. And now Chris Richards is starting for Crystal Palace. And looks like the best defender we have in this country. So uh, 
We'll talk more about that. I'll talk to Hercules Gomez, who'll join me here in the business and about it, and it will continue. I, I Welcome to Wrexham. We should embrace. I haven't watched it all. It's not really my thing. But just because I'm familiar with these stories, I think, more than ever, more than anything. But I think people new to soccer are going to be discovering promotion relegation, which is part of the story as well. And they're going to be uh, drawn in, just like I was when I started covering this sport 25 years ago. So uh, that's good. But it's a good conversation. It's fun. I enjoyed talking about it on my YouTube. And uh, if Wrexham are able to beat Sheffield United in the replay, they will host Tottenham Hotspur in the fifth round, the round of 16, essentially, of the FA Cup. And that's going to do marvels for all parties. So uh, we'll compartmentalize that here and we'll talk about it here in a moment and uh, a lot more happenings I'm, I'm watching the, the sky sports transfer show on peacock what a great resource that is i'm glad it's on stuff is happening and it's uh it's unbelievable you know these chelsea and arsenal moving moves the enzo fernandez move uh moises caicedo i don't think it's going to happen but is there going to be um uh, movement here. I mean, I watched these guys when I covered Copa Libertadores, and you know, you knew they were going to be good. And Moises Caicedo's 21, Enzo Fernandez is 22. River Plate loaned Moises Caicedo to Defensa y Justicia of Argentina, so he was playing for DNJ in 2021. Moises Caicedo was playing for Independiente de, del Valle in 2020. Now these two guys are apparently in this market worth a combined 200 million. Pounds, dollars, euros, whatever. And I know this is an inflated market because of a couple clubs, but it's really intriguing. Uh, by the way, I'm going to be on Bonjour Sports on Amazon Prime tomorrow morning at 9.15 Eastern Time to talk about the transfer market, uh, which also includes a lot of Americans. And we'll talk about that as well. Uh, Weston McKinney to Leeds United. Certainly big news. Uh, and my first instinct went Weston McKinney. Went to Leeds United with Tyler Adams, with Brendan Aronson, three American players, Jesse Marsh, an American coach, Chris Armis, an American assistant coach. I got really nervous, and I said to myself, I, they can't get relegated. They really cannot get relegated. So uh, it would be a catastrophe if it happened. Uh, I think they'll be okay. Uh, there's a lot of bad teams at the bottom. I mean, Everton, Southampton. I think Bournemouth would be the three that I think get relegated, but Leeds United and... Nottingham Forest and even West Ham, and they're all in that mix. It's seven or eight teams tightly packed. And as you know, as I criticize promotion relegation, I don't criticize it. I would love for it to come to the United States one one day. Uh, but as I, I said on my YouTube show, we're not ready for it. I mean, 20 years ago, this league, Major League Soccer, almost was wiped off the face of the earth. There was no ownership. There were three owners in the league. Phil Anschutz owned six teams. So we're still bringing in ownership money. It's a baby. It's just a baby. So that is still growing. And we will, uh, I think we just pumped the brakes on it. People want to do it now. I just don't see how it would work now. There's no, uh, there's no capital. There's no investment in, at the level in USL. So you're saying you want to bring up Sacramento Republic to come to MLS. Uh, how, I don't know how that's going to look like. We've got to vet the top league. We've got to help build that top league. And, you know, I, I've told people that the Premier League, I don't, it's not going to happen. But don't be surprised with, you know, the conversation of the Super League. Don't be surprised if someone pitches an idea that the Premier League locks in 20 teams and that's it. No more pro rel. 
And those 20 teams grow in this incubator of tons of money where it can become the next Super League. I'm telling you, don't be surprised when these things pop up because people are peppering around with that information, right? So, uh, Michaela Mudrick also went to Chelsea. And we're looking at Todd Bowley just dropped tons of money. So there is an American storyline in this transfer market. So it is our transfer market too. So let us, uh, let us swim in it. Coming up in stoppage time, I'll talk about the U.S. men's national team. I'm not going to make it too long. Those games are kind of in our rearview mirror. The January camps against Serbia and Colombia. I thought there was some good positives there. There's a few players, I think, that need to cook a little bit more. We'll get into all of that. And by the way, how about Nathan Opoku? Uh, He was at Syracuse. And now he is headed to Leicester, although he's going to go on loan in Belgium. But here's a guy that didn't go to MLS Super Draft. Uh, came out of college at Syracuse, which, by the way, has also developed Tejon Buchanan, who's at Club Bruges, who's going to be playing in the Champions League, and Miles Robinson, who is our best center back, playing at Atlanta United, and if not for the Achilles injury, would probably be in Europe as well, probably will be there in due time. He's going uh, another another different route to development in this country. It's very exciting. So uh, I want to report, I mean, it's endless news today. I hope I can recover it. And that's why I'm so thrilled to have a podcast. Thanks for everyone who has tuned in. Since the World Cup, the numbers have been great. Let's keep it going. Get people to tune into the Soccer OG. Let me know with comments here or YouTube or social media what I should be focusing on. Hercules Gomez joining me next in the business end. Time now for the business and uh, my my good friend, my colleague, who's got so much on his plate, and then I drag him onto this schleppy podcast. But he always he's always so graceful. Hercules Gomez, appreciate your time and good to see you. Let's leave it at colleague. What a jerk! Friends, friends, friends would see each other if they lived five well, blocks away from each other. That's a two way street, isn't it? Well, yes, the streets here in the South Bay are two ways. Well, so what should we do? I got an electric bike. <laughs> have you gotten it? Let me tell you, man, it's been a game changer. And now guess what happens when you have a 13 year old son, you have to get your 13 year old an electric bike, but we're having nice moments. Maxie, congrats on the Apple deal. Oh, thanks, man. I'm very excited. <laughs> we're just waiting for all the things to drop, but I saw everyone else mentioned. So I'm glad that everyone's been made whole. A lot of happy people. I know there's a lot of people would love to be on there as well. And it, it didn't That's do, I'm, you know, it's, it's tough, you know, because there's like, all these local broadcasters, and essentially you're, you're, you're having the game, so a lot of people aren't going to be in there, but uh, I hope uh, they're made whole here. What do you think about it yeah. at Apple? Uh, it's interesting, man. Um, I want Apple to succeed with Major League Soccer because that would mean Major League Soccer succeeding and more people are watching it. You know, That's ultimately what you want to grow the game domestically. Um, but it's, man, you know how this business is. It, it's, a, it's a slow burn, Maxie. You've, you've been at this for was this year 40 for you? Like, you're 40. Bro- I'm, I'm, you I'm figure I would have got a... Uh... Uh, how many so for the record, I used to call Hercules games when he was this, this fresh-faced kid coming out of Vegas. He went to the Galaxy. I saw him so, grow up before our eyes. How, no, honestly, how long have you been in this game? How long have you been in broadcast journalism? Uh, it's, I'd say like... I started right when MLS began. I got into MLS maybe a few years later. So maybe 27, 27 years. Going on 30 years, and you more than anybody know how much of a slow burn. <laughs> Stop adding I'm, I'm years. Being a, I'm, I'm, being, I'm, being, I'm being real for a second. Like, you know how much of a slow burn this is. And listen, man, Apple is given the platform 
to Major League Soccer. Like this is where it would be broadcast, but MLS is producing this. So that's that's a big chunk of money and there's a big chunk of risk. So it's going to be, you know, interesting. And there's no there's no reward without risk, right? Like nobody nobody anywhere did anything great without actually risking something. That's just it's a reality. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, it, it's it's going to be fun to see because you know obviously the way we consume things. I'm talking about my generation now, not yours. Is is tablets, phones, and and things like that, and that's that's Apple's bread and butter. So I'm really, I'm really excited to see kind of how they develop everything. And I don't want you to give anything away, but you know, you know, you're my man, and I'm I'm happy for you. And I actually heard through the grapevine. I don't want to put you on the spot that your your call partner is actually one of my favorites. So I'm excited to see to you two together. Oh. I, won't, I won't reveal who it is, but but you know what the what I've learned, and this is from my time at ESPN. I don't want to know. I want to keep my head down. I don't want to get in trouble by saying so. <laughs> so the less I'll I know, it, I'll say it then. I'll say it then. Uh, I, I've been. I mean, you you don't have to say anything, but I'll just say what I heard about who your partner is. Okay, I heard it's. I heard it's a, a guy who used to play in Salt Lake. He played in the Olympics. Oh, Dunny. I, I don't know. Is it? No, I, I'm a big it. fan. I'm a big fan. That would be great if it was the case. Two of my favorite personalities in this game, so I'm excited the, for that. So uh, it's um, <laughs> look. You're a realistic. You are. You are. You wave the flag for MLS. You played there. You. That's where you got you started. You're very. I know you're loyal to this league, and you're very realistic about the way it is presented. And it has been slow. And I think being so, slow well, is good I'm saying, because I'm not look, saying it's slow. I'm saying that. Well, slow burn in the, the sense. Game. Our side of the game. Yeah. Our the media, the not the, right. I think the, the the support culture is flying at least in the end stadium the the quality of player getting much better all that uh the quality of teams but the media side has struggled where do you want to start because this actually goes with my Wrexham talk okay it's a perfect segue it's a perfect segue because people exactly what I want to get to go ahead because this is really interesting and people are rolling their eyes because uh you know and I said it I said it on my YouTube show I go leaving ESPN is not a terrible thing for MLS because they didn't get the the great box office attraction treatment that maybe Wrexham got this past weekend. So Did welcome they? to Wrexham, the new Did show. They? No, but the, you know, listen, if you get if you got like for instance Diego Valeri and Kai Kamara, I don't know why this came to mind, but just say when they had their MLS Cup, which was on ESPN, I remember covering it, and they were with Hannah Storm and Jay Harris in the morning, and they did a big, um, big. Uh, run through the sports center shows and there was a little heavier promotion and i'm not saying there wasn't but if there was that then you know you would you would feel a little bit more tender i'm not saying it wasn't the case i would still love to be with espn the insecurity but espn has so much other hands to feed oh oh, it's not espn has a lot of hands to feed or mouths to feed sorry you were you were i know what you were trying to go for you were at lafc right (laughs) thank you 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 guys did a docu series that ESPN put on ESPN Plus about your first year, where Bob Bradley famously uh, told Carlos Vela that he resembled Messi. You remember that? Yes, great okay. show. Okay, great show. I actually enjoyed it. I thought it was a good watch. You know what the difference between that and Wrexham was? Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney. People watched it. Yeah, that's the reality. <laughs> People tuned in. And why did they tune in? Well, maybe, yeah, Ryan Reynolds, one of the biggest box office stars 
in the world being tied into it. Rob McElhenney, uh, who, who happens to be Mac from one of my favorite shows, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, two prime players are in it and actually have skin in the game, and people watch it. If it flopped on Hulu, nobody would be talking about this. Nobody would care what happened to Wrexham. That's a reality. But people watched it. It was successful. So guess what? Guess what companies do when something is successful? Very successful. They promote it more. Listen, and by the way, I, I want to make it clear that I am on board. I think the Wrexham success is good for the sport. It's good for MLS. It's going to lead to a pathway. I know people talk about the Netflix Drive to Survive show. Is that maybe something that MLS could uh, mirror? I think these are I, things I, that they have to look at. Listen, I can't speak for what other people who worked at other networks didn't do when they had a platform. I will speak to what I did or I can do or I tried to do. Jeez. I remember being with you. I used to live in Connecticut, okay? I used to work in Bristol, Connecticut at ESPN headquarters. You miss it. I would come in every Monday night and I would do a Herx Heroes segment with this guy right here, Max Bredos, and we would cover MLS and Liga MX. Remember Joe Rodriguez? ESPN yeah, but that was on ESPN News, man. We didn't get on the big shows. We were on ESPN News. Stop it. Stop and then what it. about my show, Stop Bend it. it Like Bretos, which always was on the editing room floor at the end of the day? Max, Max, you're you're an MMA UFC fan, right? I don't understand this narrative. Like MMA and UFC fans, they are almost grotesque by casuals. They want nothing to do with casuals. American soccer fans, hardcore fans, yearn, they ache. They cry for the casual viewer to recognize them. It is so crazy in two very young sports, American soccer and MMA, the parallels between the two, and yet one can care less and doesn't necessarily go to Sports Center for its UFC news. Like, I'm a soccer fan. I don't go to Sports Center for my UFC news. I don't I don't necessarily want it there. Like I go somewhere specific. Like I know where to go for this is this is the era we live in now. Cable, you, you, you cut the cord. There are, they're streaming everywhere. If you want something, it's specialized. It's localized. That's, that's not a bad thing. I don't understand this yearning for look at me, look at me. Like we are here. We are relevant. That's great. But the reality of it is, and I love MLS, and you know I love MLS, like the way I love League of Mechas. It was, it was part of me and my upbringing. But if it wasn't just doing 300K, Okay? And people say, well, if you put it on Big Sports Center, if you put it on ABC, more people will watch. Sure. But there's a reason that doesn't happen. Okay? And when something draws very well, guess what? They keep going with it. But to sit here and say, and I've heard this so much, that like ESPN doesn't care about American soccer. It literally was a partner of Major League Soccer since the beginning. It dumped hundreds of millions of dollars in it. Anytime, and strange, but it doesn't have to be just one language. I work on the Deportes side too. We would create tons of Major League Soccer content. And we would have Joseph Martinez. We would have Carlos Vela. We have Chicharito Hernandez. And guess what? It's pulling teeth to get these guys on TV. It's not, not with our bosses, because our bosses are like, yeah, we'll take Carlos Vela any day of the week. Chicharito Hernandez any day of the week. With these teams, with these players. I have a show in LA, a sports show. All sports, Monday through Friday. 
you know how many times we've gotten Carlos Vela in? It's a short 30-minute drive. Do you know how many times we've gotten three, him Two, three in? times. Yeah. Zero, man. Zero. Zero. Oh, sorry, man. So next time, next time people want to cry about why it's not more relevant, and this is in a, in a prominent footballing culture and language, here in the States, in Spanish, they will consume Carlos Vela, Mexico fans. They decide we are worth zero of their time. Hey, maybe every once in a while if you come down. Or maybe we could try to Zoom, also zero. It doesn't happen. A and yet people cry about it. I get this inferiority complex when it comes to American soccer. I get it. Trust me. I understand it. But this notion that because two of the biggest, one of the biggest TV stars and one of the biggest movie stars on the planet decided to invest in a team that has the chance to one day get to the Premier League and document it. And they're great storytellers and people found it compelling in some way, shape or form tells you everything you need to know about the American soccer landscape is bullshit. I will first and first foremost, that is an MLS problem. The player access got to change. And we've seen that in the NBA. And if they want to uh, take that next step and do better storytelling, then these players have to be available. No ifs, ands, or buts. And I've dealt with that too. And I'm not going to run away with that. That is on MLS's shoulders. And they've got to really light the club's uh, feet over the fire to make sure that uh, the big stars, all the stars at beck and calls. We want to talk to this guy. We want to talk to this guy. And I know ESPN struggled out with their Fox. Uh, that has to be a no brainer. Click it. Now I would agree with everything. And I think uh, your point about Wrexham is hundred percent. And I, I, I agree with you. I'm not, look, I, I think it's petty. And some Man. of the stuff I saw on Twitter was a bit over. I, over. I, I, was... I've seen, I've seen, I've seen ESPN get a helicopter for, for a Schweinsteiger and give him four seats to the next game to get him to do a car wash. A car wash is when they come in and they do a bunch of shows, right? Sports Center, he was on Sports Center, he was on FC, he was on whatever other show they wanted him on. I've seen these things happen. Like to get, like this is what it takes to get some of these major league soccer stars to tell their stories. Slatan was one of the biggest stars major league soccer ever had and he was also one of the most accommodating. And we ate from that for years. The two years he was here, he gave us great content. The Slatan versus Vela drama, that great narrative. This, this, it was this guy, this idiot right here who asked him the question of who's the better player, who's the best player in major league soccer. And he had that viral moment. Like there are narratives here that you can do so much better at if you are everybody involved. But I, I don't understand this, this, wreck something it's funny to me because yeah man people it's interesting I, i've enjoyed talking about formula it formula f1 right the drive to survive it's compelling storytelling people want to see it i think i think apple's going to jump on that but i'll say this that espn uh to their core and by the way again i agree with you tr people who watch sports center don't want to see ufc news they don't really want to see soccer news they want to watch i don't go nfl there, they want to watch nba they even want to watch hockey. So they do. I know I the guy who's... I go there for that. I go there for highlights. That's what it is. That's what it is. No, but I... And I agree. Like, I, I realize that if we've started throwing MLS highlights, the viewer who's been watching SportsCenter for 10, 15 years ago, what is this? This is not my show. I get it. Now, there are ways for these big networks to push it. And ESPN's at the top of the list because I have seen with my two eyes, they got a Japanese guy by the name of Kobayashi. It's American by Joey Chestnut. And made this huge event 
of two guys shoveling hot dogs in their mouth into this massive 4th of July extravaganza. And let me tell you, that wasn't really Once impressive. That was ESPN. Once a year. I understand it was here, but that was ESPN pushing it. Now, today, WNBA, which has struggled with viewership, they are having a, not a transfer deadline, but a trade deadline show for that. And I've seen it heavily promoted. And I think it's fantastic. And WNBA thinks a better comparison than MLS. I think there were things that could have been done that uh, weren't. And may, I don't know if, how much ESPN or how much the league had to really take the initiative to do it. But I know there was more. But it is what it is. I think Apple will be able to try and do those kind of things. Let's hope so. All Let's right. hope so. Let's move on. <laughs> that was good. But man, I, I, I was I knew it after the weekend ago. This would be good. And have they made a I, I I'm curious to see what the uh, I was trying to find out what the uh, the rating was for Wrexham Sheffield United. Have you seen that at all? I have not seen the okay. rating, but I'll let, check listen, with our guy Polisi. It's, it's also it's also FA Cup and there's the magic of the FA Cup and people like to see cup sets. We saw with the US Open Cup, like we did a, a Football America is a uh, US Open Cup kind of like uh, goal cast and cup sets and people enjoy things like that. And listen, it's compelling storytelling. There are good storytellers around Major League Soccer. If you've never seen Kalen Carr's The Movement and you're a Major League Soccer fan and you're complaining about storytelling, go watch those. Those are some, go YouTube The Movement, Kalen Carr. Some great content, uh, things you normally won't see. There, there are new age soccer fans out there who have no idea, who love to talk about things like it's law, like it's like it's set in stone. Go watch some of that. There's quality content and storytellers around the game. The Athletic, uh, Pablo does some great things. Um, when he recaps Diego Maradona's visit to Canada, the Cosmos, NASL days, like there's great storytelling around the game. We had Pablo here talking about Pele and he went to these this guy's house who has a museum of Pele. It, there is some great stories and I mentioned that as well. Uh, promotion relegation, because that's another thing that came up with this conversation. We're not moving on just yet. And now people feel like this is the you know, that is the undiscovered country that will make everything click. And I just don't, I love promotion relegation. Obviously it makes people, it makes Everton interesting. It makes Southampton interesting. It makes West Brom interesting. That's trying to come up. I get it. But this league's, I don't think this league is ready for promotion relegation. We're still getting investment in. It's, you know, it's 27 years old. The, 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 The English leagues are in their third century. I don't think it wants it. It doesn't want it, but I just, I almost feel like promotion really, uh, these big, I mean, the, the big teams and the big leagues, these big matchups are what draws. And, and the Premier League is becoming almost a bit of a super league. And it's, uh, they still deal with relegation, but no one's turning into Nottingham Forest, Bournemouth. On a weekend, you have Arsenal, Man United, and that's going to continue more and more. And I, I agree, they probably don't want it. But if they were going to do it, now doesn't, make, scale, now doesn't make now doesn't make now's not the time. Yeah, um, I don't I don't think it happens in in Major League Soccer, which mean which doesn't mean it doesn't happen in American soccer. Uh, I think the USL is ready to roll something out like that, their own yep. version of promotion relegation. I've played in a promotion relegation league. I've been in promotion relegation battles. I should say relegation battle, um, and got saved on the last match day of the year. I know how tense that could be. I know the impacts on a community um, when a team does get relegated, the financial impact, the hardships that come with it. But one of the more 
I would say compelling things about the world's game is promotion relegation and how Agreed. relevant it makes, how relevant it makes a situation or a team. Um, and when we're talking about storytelling, um, I'll, I'll stay on the storytelling boat with Wrexham. Um, it's very easy to have money. Plenty of people have had money and not been able to actually make something work. <laughs> Todd Bowley right now is a, He's got this crazy transfer window going on with, with Chelsea where I mean, it's almost going to be like $600 million that they've spent in transfers. Um, having money doesn't guarantee you success. So, you know, Rob McElhaney and, and, and Ryan Reynolds could have all the money in the world, but if they're not actually doing the right things with it, it doesn't necessarily mean they will be successful and this team will, will get promoted. But the thought that they could take something – the same way that Red Bull took Leipzig and made them a player in the Bundesliga, that's insane. Um, and and that's, that's not something you can do here in, in American soccer at the top level. Major League Soccer, they would have to come upwards of 300 to 400 maybe plus million dollars and be accepted by a group of owners and have a stadium proposal ready, set, and the trigger pulled on that. So you're almost talking about a $1 billion theoretically investment around that in a city that's willing to give you the land or you buy the land yourself. It's insane. So, so the thought of them on a minimal investment in the world's game, turning something into a prime player and then documenting, I could see the allure. Yeah. I could see how promotion relegation, the, the risk reward, um, the, the documenting of something and building it and, and seeing if it can come to fruition. I can see how compelling that is. It, like you, you it, it's, it's a great survive. story. When you, when, you, when you spell it out like that, it's a great, it's a great uh, idea for a show. Max, you said, you said drive to survive. The reality is you can die in Formula One. Strive to survive. You could actually die racing a car. Well, promotion relegation, you could actually lose all your money you can get relegated and your product is worth less like there are some very compelling arguments for watching things like this you know I, which is why i don't understand like people just so insecure about it I, and the money part and i was doing some research on it i mean these guys are pretty savvy i mean they're not throwing money away i think they their initial investment was 2.5 million for the club and then you there, there's <laughs> i mean look you don't want to lose that money i'm not saying that's nothing but they're obviously getting money coming in from sponsors and the T from FX, Hulu, whomever is footing the bill there. But they, you also have, there's an episode where these guys are, are talking about a very strict budget when they're looking about new transfers, I think is episode right. 14. And they're going, well, we wanted 1.5. We we're going to be, the guy goes, we're, uh, we're going to be a little bit over. And you think he's going to say 10 million. He goes, we're going to be at 2.2. I go, oh, okay. <laughs> so these guys are doing it financially in a very savvy way and it just goes to show you had to start very low which makes it a perfect show idea because they can go and then they go to league two i mean it's also like one of the oldest clubs in the world right it's yeah. like 140 something years old so listen man I, I i get i get the i get the wanting to bitch at something online because that's that's who we are as a society what we're always gonna we're always gonna try to find a fault somewhere yeah you know? Um, I wish it wasn't realities. this way, but it is. But I hope I hope MLS gets on right. a better footing and 
They don't. We don't get away from this. I, I, I think they will. To be MLS, I don't think it needs to be an MLS argument. MLS is its own thing. You could love it. You could hate it. You could agree. You could not. But it doesn't mean you shouldn't support your your local team, whether that's Major League Soccer, USL, uh, NISA, uh, NWSL, whatever the case may be. There's something for everybody. But if you're just one of these people that like just likes to complain to complain, you're at the right place. You're at Twitter. <laughs> I try not to be one of those, but I know, you know, I've, I've had my moments. Okay, so uh, Leeds United, uh, Weston McKinney's been introduced, and I know we have a little text right where we're going. It's exciting. Chris Armas is now with Leeds, so you have five Americans. Jesse Marsh, Chris Armas, Brendan Aronson, Tyler Adams, and Weston McKinney. And, and the ownership. And the ownership. There's a definite American tie-in with all of that, and this is a great, this is a great moment. I never thought I'd see anything like this. And if they do well and finish mid-table, we've got something to really hang on. And maybe more Americans come. Why wouldn't they? We already have three. Um, clearly, Jesse Marsh is comfortable bringing in Americans and giving them that opportunity, which is what we needed in European soccer. We've got it. Now, they're in 15th place. Currently, one point out of the relegation picture. So this is a relegation story. This is another Wrexham. This is... This is going to be a compelling relegation wait, story. Wait, wait. Pay, but pay, my question pay. to you. You got the table. Hold on. Before you ask the question, you got the table in front of you, right? Yes. You're it's a mess at the place. bottom. What does 12th place have in points? 12th has 24 points. Leeds have, have 18. 18. And what does the bottom last place have? Southampton and Everton both have 15 points. Do you see how crazy that is? It's nuts. I know it's a log jam from 12 down from 12th on it's a log jam and they're right in the thick of it. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, it's I've never seen I mean, this is as big of a, a picture there is so everyone's kind of been dragged in. So if you're making a claim for promotion relegation, this is the year to do it. But does leads I don't know if we could say it, but I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be an uncomfortable couple months. I think it is and I don't know it's if all the Americans play at the same months. time. I think about it. He comes in for Marcelo Bielsa, Jesse Marsh. Marcelo Bielsa was loved, loved at Leeds. Um, why? I don't know, but he was loved at Leeds. Okay. Um, he comes in midway, saves the team. Now he's got no excuses. It's his team. So it's he had a, he, he, that they gave him a good transfer market. I mean, they were pretty active. I mean, it wasn't just McKinney. I don't have the names, but I know they had a, a young Portuguese defender. McKinney. Yeah, uh, so you have the ability now to bring in your players, Brendan Aronson, Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney. If Weston McKinney plays 10 or 10 games at least and they get they avoid relegation, it triggers like a $32 million, a million, excuse me, euro um, uh, buy, buyout from, from uh, for Juventus. So it's going to be close to like 80, 90 million euros in transfer fee for Americans, right? From an American ownership with an American coach. And then you bring in Chris Armas, another American. So the narrative right now is Americans, Americans, Americans at least. If this doesn't go well for Jesse Marsh, who has two wins in like the last 14 games, okay? If this doesn't go well, it not only doesn't go well for Jesse Marsh, who's certainly going to be gone, it doesn't go well for Americans at Leeds because the narrative will be this 
the American system let us down. Yep. So it's a dangerous play. Um, I love it. I love I love seeing more of these players on quality platforms, and the Premier League is a quality platform. I necessarily don't think Leeds right now is a quality team. Doesn't mean it can't be. I just think it's uh, imprecise in the final third. It's well, chaotic. there is if, there isn't it's, a lot of quality when you talk about all those teams. <laughs> There's not a lot of quality. Well, I mean, the Premier League, so there's there's definitely quality, right? It's just but not at that level, not like 14, 15. There's still, they, I, there's quality, but they're just a bit rudderless, some of these teams. They just haven't fit the right squad together, maybe injuries, whatever have you. They just, it's just not a good product, but it can be. Right, right. I mean, but historically, you can find quality at, at the worst of teams in the Premier League. I mean, Leeds last season had Rafinha. He goes to Barca. Uh, got a player go to Man City and right. So it's they they've got they've got quality. You know these teams have certain quality. Um, it, it's about them surviving. They have to survive, Max. And and it, it's it's too close to call right now. There's a log jam from twelfth on down. Um, I believe their percentage of staying up is like at seventy something percent. So the odds makers. I like Obviously, them. Obviously, uh, they like them. They favor their their chances. But this is one of those that can blow up in your face for sure. Yeah, and I it, they, I don't want to go to the lowest common denominator. But if Leeds get relegated, be, and it's really the Weston McKinney move that puts it over the top, it's going to set back the American experience there. It has to because they're going to go. Wait a minute, at what's Leeds, the common? Well, it's at Leeds. I go. What is the? Well, I think at other clubs. I go. What is the common denominator here? And they go, well, we got all these Americans. And, uh, you know, it was... Yeah, a, I don't know it, about other clubs because Americans are popular right now. They're, they're trendy players, right? Because they're... It might give some pause. It might give some pause to some. But yeah, I, 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 I would hope to agree with you. And I, I, I think we've seen that, you know, with, you know, obviously Christian Pulisic. I mean, even though it's not gone well at Chelsea now, overall, it's been a good experience. Chris Richards, uh, obviously the Fulham guys. Um, it's not like you, you start losing digits. You're like, okay there's a lot there's a lot of good stories here that would keep the american player buoyant the american coach even right now depending the american coach thing is a wait and see we'll have to see how jesse does but I actually don't i think you, you've got probably a little bit more on the american coach than the players if if i'm uh thinking out loud like if i'm a british pundit or any or an ownership group anywhere around i'm looking at overall track record american players i think have a, a better track record um, certainly than the American coach. I think the American coach has very little track record. Uh, before yeah. Jesse, you would have to go to a, a yeah, Bob. You know, Bob at Swansea. Yeah, yeah, Bob at Swansea, La Habra. Um, they're, they're slim pickings. Yeah. Uh, but you would hope. So was in. Yeah. Uh, uh, Pellegrino Matarazzo. Um, and you'd hope these guys would open up. And Marmus at Man United with Ragnick. Uh, not a great experience. But you would hope the Jesse Marsh thing really is that that moment which uh if it's successful if they finish in 10th or 11th maybe he maybe he can help lure some other guy there maybe he can give the recommendation you know because there's some good young coaches we've seen you know in, in, in major league soccer that would have maybe fought jesse marsh you know uh got started there in his coaching ranks uh but there are a few young guys i think with european connections that would make sense maybe not the premier right. league but we'll see uh, USA wrapped up a couple games. I thought the big, I mean, some young players came up, but it was okay. 
Um, it was a practice. Uh, it was it was it's an annual event which we we deal with. We don't really look too much again into it. We'll soon forget about it. But there was a unique moment with three, uh, four dual nationals that were part of this squad. Um, Brandon Vasquez, who scored a goal. Alejandro Zendejas, who scored, played in the first game, I thought looked well. Jonathan Gomez, um, work in progress. And then Cade Cowell, who had that first game, who right. leads more in the U.S. But uh, this is, uh, and I know you you were with, you stay connected with, with the folks in Mexico about where their vision is and looking for talent. Do you think this January camp could be that match, I guess, to ignite drawing in not just the dual nationals because the U.S. have done a nice job with the Eunice Musas and uh, a few other players um, that were part of that World Cup squad, but the U.S.-Mexico, the U.S.-Mexico dual nationals. Do you think this is a moment where it could be a bit of a shift because of them? Because you have four of them, two real big ones, and I think Vasquez and Zendejas. No. I don't just because I think there's so much uncertainty in both programs right now. If I was a dual net and I had a decision to make, I I'm not moving anything until I see where the chips fall. You know, um, you've got us soccer, no sporting director, no GM, no head coach. You've got Mexican football and you director of national teams and Rodrigo Arras de Parga, um, no head coach at the moment, uh, a team that's coming off of their worst performance certainly of the modern era last eight world cups as well um that doesn't have or won't have a single player under the age of 26 in the next world cup with world cup experience um there's a lot of factors at play here so i don't think it does anything um i think if anything um january can't prove to me that it's a uh it's an annual event that should be phased out or, or, or changed. How, how can they change it? Is it U 23 camp? Yeah. I... It should, because if you think about it, if you think about it, um, Max, the majority of these players are C or D players that are in preseason and you're selling games for that. You, you come right. in and you watch the, glorified preseason game well, did, weren't um, you a little surprised by the roster selection where you said okay here are some guys with uh an edge some guys that could feature in like the guys i mentioned or paxton aronson or john tolkien or you know maybe some late bloomers yeah, you know, that could yeah, still yeah, but yeah but you, you just mentioned players who are you know U20, under 20 yeah so 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 why not make it a u23 tournament if the if everybody's claim here is identifying players I don't need to see Julian Gressel. Julian Gressel's 29 years old. With all due respect, he, he's a good footballer. Yes, but I don't need to see Julian Gressel. I don't need to see Walker Zimmerman or Aaron Long play together at the back. You know, it's, it's, it's a reality. Uh, you know, I don't need, need to see Sean Johnson. Love Sean Johnson. Love him. Great guy. You know, he was my teammate on the national team. Like, honestly, I think he's a good goalkeeper, but I don't need to see him. Like, if you're trying to identify players, okay, fine. Why, why have so if, if it once served the purpose because a majority of your base was in major league soccer it served a purpose it doesn't anymore the majority of your players are in europe this is theoretically if the a and b team are in europe you're diluting it to a cd event of players who are not even in season they're in preseason. so 
just make it a U23 tournament, um, have it be phased out in some way, shape, or form. And another thing that's kind of off to me is listening to Anthony Hudson talk, he speaks as if we, us, our, the message of Greg Berhalter is still like, oh, yeah, reigned there. So I, I, I'm glad to believe that he's still making the calls. I, 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 I wouldn't rule believe, that out, man. I, I'm, the, he on, mentioned that the, he stays in touch with him. I'm led to believe that he's trying to imp- implement the same values and ideals of Greg Berhalter's national team on this pool. So the question is, how in touch or how much information or, or feedback or consideration is he taking into Greg Berhalter if that is the case? Um, it's not something I, I want for this national team, you know? So, so going back to dual Nats, I, I don't think it's, it's too much of a factor. It's great that they get a taste of, of national team and whatnot, but um, it, it may be a situation where it could do more harm than good. What if they have a bad experience? Like, well, this, well, you gotta, you gotta hope it'll be, I, you gotta hope they would do have a good experience. And I would imagine they sure. did. Let's, let's just, let's just hope. May, okay. All right, but I I don't argue with that too. They do new. I we enjoy these January camps. I went to the first right. game, and I'm glad it's there. But it probably should look a little different. Hercules, uh, I'll whenever that dinner uh, invitation comes through, I'll be happy to join you and uh, let's do it. I, I tell me I'm that. still your friend, whether you want to believe that or not. Uh, but uh, stay close. We'll we'll figure this out here soon. I can't wait to listen to you and uh, Dunny on Apple, bro. (laughs) You're such a rascal. All right. (laughs) Hercules Gomez here in the business and you're out of the business and we'll be back with stoppage time next. Time now for stoppage time. And we kind of, Dove into it a little bit there with Hercules about the U.S. men's national team. And in case you missed it, and I'm sure you didn't if you're listening to this podcast, a whole lot of happenings over the last 10 days, two weeks, even going back to the situation with the Reynas and Greg Burhalter, then uh, the departure of Brian McBride, and then Ernie Stewart leaving to take the job at PSV Eindhoven, which, by the way, we've got to look at this. He is now the sporting director at one of the biggest names in Europe. You know, PSV is the second biggest team and really in recent years, second most successful team in the Netherlands. And it was a club with so many great stars. Wasn't that that where Ronaldo Fenomeno started? So many great players. So that is a promotion. That's a better gig. I mean, we could say he wanted to get out of this U.S. soccer situation, which I don't blame him. But PSV Eindhoven's a better gig. You know, it's probably better security. And he has his family there, lives in the Netherlands. He's basically Dutch. You know, we, we, Ernie Stewart played for the U.S. team and was uh, uh incredible international. I uh, got to cover him closely in the early 2000s when he was with the team, part of 2002. Uh, there was, you know, but he played his whole career in the Netherlands with the exception of one season, maybe two seasons at D.C. United at the end. I mean, he lives there. That's who he is. He's He's Dutch. So, um, you know, that departure too, so as Hercules touched on, the whole um, the whole setup is empty. And regardless of what um, regardless of what 
we believe with the coaching situation, and they're not going to part ways with Greg Berhalter with regards to uh, this investigation. They have to let it run its course. So I, uh, Berhalter's days are done there. And now he, we talked about Anthony Hudson, and Anthony Hudson talks to Greg Berhalter all the time. And there's that connection. Uh, but uh, this is, you know, this is a uh, a situation where you had to get one of his assistants to see the team through. But Greg Berhalter, even though there was that address last week with Cindy Parlocone and talking about Ernie Stewart, they're saying he's a candidate, Greg Berhalter. I, I, it's not. It's not. If you have this situation to kind of clear the path and have a, a completely uh, fresh start, so to speak, you take it. It's what most companies want, where you don't have to deal with all, you know, if if how much this investigation and we heard from the legal counsel there that the investigation wasn't a reason for the departures. And I believe it because, I mean, I don't know what Brian McBride really did there. Do we need a sporting director and a general manager? Sporting director obviously oversees both the women and the men's. The fact that he got the PSV job and they said it's been in the works tells you that that was always on the on the horizon for Ernie Stewart. I mean, that's the job he probably really wanted. I mean, I would want that job. That's a great gig. So it can't really be about the investigation. I think we really have to take that at face value. But here we are. The investigation will come through. And it'd be, I think Greg Berhalter probably looking for other positions as it stands. Uh, I, I would be shocked if they bring him back. And now Cindy Parlocone mentioning that they will fill the sporting director spot no later than the end of summer. And obviously they have to have, they, she mentioned she needs someone in place ahead of the Women's World Cup, which is going to be taking place in 2023 in New Zealand and Australia. I actually got to find out the... The actual start dates. I should have known that. Uh, but they'll need that. And you're not going to get a coach in there until you have a sporting director or a general manager. Uh, that tournament begins July the 20th. That's going to be uh, the biggest women's sporting event ever in any sport. Not just soccer. So we're going to wait, which is good. I think we want to wait because there's no real good candidates now. And they don't want to come into this. I will say this is a very desirable job maybe not for everyone I and mean, we heard Jose Mourinho I'm not saying Jose Mourinho is that guy but I be- uh, I truly believe Jose Mourinho who has American connections we would cover him he would always be in the United States at UCLA with Chelsea or Manchester United he loved it here I truly believe he's the kind of guy going this is a, a moment in time the U.S. is hosting a World Cup in 2026 this could be the moment that gets them over the hump it changes the sport here forever if the money's good enough, it's not going to be what he's making as a club coach. But if it's good enough, he's done it all in the club game. Why not make this your opus or whatever, you know? You kind of get into it and say, all right, this is a job. He's not alone. Working for you as soccer, maybe not <laughs> delightful. And maybe you can talk to them and say, I'm not going to live in Chicago. I think U.S. soccer is going to listen to getting a good coach. Remember the rumors with Zinedine Zidane? I don't know if they were true or if it was some kind of posturing. But I, I believe they would concede a little bit. The 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 story about the, the language, having to know English, maybe they could budge on that. But you don't have to worry about that with Jose Mourinho. Most of these coaches speak a semblance of English. And I imagine we'll speak, uh, uh, Lopetegui speaks English. I mean, 
these are guys that I think would be able to learn on the job. So I think U.S. soccer will concede on a couple of these fronts. But you want to wait for summer. So don't get impatient. Anthony Hudson's going to be in charge for March with the Nations League games against Grenada and El Salvador. Hopefully we can cup tie or cap tie a couple of these players. I would love Brandon Vasquez to me has the look of the guy who could be our our starting striker. He's just a massive human being with technical skills. There's seven or eight number nines. I think the number nine pursuit in 2023 and 2024, who will be the starting forward moving all the way ahead to 2026. I mean, that starts now. I mean, there's six or seven really good candidates, but none of them have pushed ahead of the pack. Haji Wright, Jesus Ferreira, who played well against Colombia. I know people, I, I, I re-watched that game because I watched it while I was skiing this weekend, so I didn't get a look, good look. But I, I, I see on Twitter people going, oh, Aaron Long and Walker Zimmerman. Both played well, by the way. Should they be playing that game? Probably not. Jesus Ferreira still is a young player. And I saw some people going, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He was really good. He was pressing. He was getting in behind. He put in a couple balls that Matthew Hoppy should have finished. So uh, he's in the mix there. Jordan Pifok has become a reserve at Union Berlin. Um, Geraldo Becker has been rumored to be transferred. Maybe that gets him back into a starting role. Then you have Josh Sargent. Then you have Ricardo Pepe. And maybe have Daryl DK. Good candidates. But who's going to move ahead? I see Brandon Vasquez is the one guy who hasn't had an interrupted, in the last 18 months, an interrupted step. So I think he is the guy. Subject to change. So that's going to be very interesting. Hopefully we can cap tie him. I think he wants to be here. Zendejas is another one I'd love to see. Falarin Balogun, we had an incredible goal over the weekend. That really is the guy. I mean, that is another level of forward that could be playing at top. He's playing at, I don't know how to pronounce it, Ran Stadran. And he is a, a guy who can certainly just completely metamorphosize the U.S. national team. He will get goals. But we, he could play for Nigeria. He could play for England. We just don't know. So that's going to be interesting. I, I enjoyed the January games. They're all kind of slow motion, but... I'm glad they're there. Maybe Hercules is right. You move them to a, a younger team and you would need these opponents to come with under 23s as well. I mean, Serbia and Colombia showed up with seasoned teams and you can't put a bunch of kids up against a bunch of men. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. The kids will get overwhelmed, regardless of whether these younger generations who listen to me want to believe that that's the truth. So there you have it. An interesting week. I think it's going to slow down for the U.S. now, so we're not going to have any crazy things. But we also had this report about Copa America, and they're going to host it in 2024. And I want to talk more about that in other shows. But that's fantastic news. Because immediately, we need better running mates. And you get Argentina, you get Brazil, you get Uruguay. That 2024 in the States, it rescues Comibol because they don't have countries that can host this tournament. And now you have them come here, and I think... This won't be the last time. But you want to play a Copa America in South America or Mexico. Um, Comebol and CONCACAF need each other. Uh, unless the only thing that could put a spanner in the works is if Argentina and Brazil, which they did with the Nations League, make partners of UEFA, which I think they want to do. You can't lose those two. But otherwise, 
Comebol doesn't need all of CONCACAF, but they certainly could use USA and Mexico. And USA and Mexico needs that level up. And there's a, a club competition, which will help MLS and Liga MX, you would hope. I think it's great, great news because it doesn't seem like it's just one competition. And I was talking to a lot of the people down in South America, and they were telling me that this has been in the works. Uh, a lot. I have a, a couple of businessmen in South America who were telling me they were they've been trying to sell the Copa America in the United States since middle of 2022. So this has been in the works for a while. So it's going to happen, and it kind of tells you that the they have to work out a few uh, a few little kinks, but they will certainly do that. And this makes sense. And I love that it's other tournaments as well. And again, you absorb the Copa America is the oldest cup competition. It's older than the World Cup. So all of a sudden you become part of that history, which is what the U.S. doesn't have. That's brilliant news. And it's a competition I got to cover at an early age. You may not get Messi. Maybe get him in 2024. I have a feeling he's going to stick around. Um, maybe he's an MLS player, which makes more sense if it's here in the United States. So now you have this Messi effect. You'll get Neymar. You'll get Vinny Jr., you will get Federico Valverde. I mean, how excited. You have this great Ecuador team. Colombia's going to be really good. It's good news. So we will move forward. The Soccer OG Podcast. Check out my entire library of podcasts where all podcasts are available. Check out the Soccer OG on YouTube under my name, Max Bretos. We have you covered. You will enjoy the conversation I will have with you about Wrexham slash MLS. We'll be back. Another great guest coming your way next week. Until we meet again, Placido Domingo.